Thank you for listening to the Martinis and the Macabre podcast. This show contains graphic content and explicit language. It is intended for immature adult audiences. Listener discretion is advised. should have done that before yeah before we like started the recording yeah well i'm very surprised from last week's episode because a lot of people said they liked it and it was one of their favorites and i was really worried that it wasn't going to be well received because of how horrible the subject matter was yeah i really expected like death threats well (laughs) really makes me worry about our listeners are you guys okay but now i know there's no depths that we won't go to. Yeah. <laughs> we can carry this whole show out on really horrible shit. And somehow, somebody will like it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm glad you guys did, though. It was a really rough one. I did not enjoy it. There were times when I had to pause. Yeah. <laughs> That's why you heard Billy asking me, are you okay? <laughs> it was It was rough. I'm wearing my breast cancer hat today. You are. Any particular reason? Well, I support breast cancer research, and the money goes towards it. So. Yeah, it doesn't. It doesn't have to be October. No, you're a thoughtful man. Aw, shucks. It says no weak shit. No weak shit. But the eye is a breast cancer ribbon. Yeah, I like it. Go, Billy. It's a very nice Go. hat. No weak shit. No weak shit. All right then, with those wonderful pleasantries out of the way. Thank you all that listened last week and enjoyed. Welcome again to Martinis and the Macabre, the podcast where we drunkenly discuss morbid murders, mysteries, and mayhem. My name's Erica, and I'm joined by my husband and co-host, breast cancer research supporter, Billy. You know, I would say sorry for last week's episode, but you're welcome for last week's episode. You guys seem to really enjoy it. That's probably why I forgot the introductions completely, because I knew it was some serious shit. Yeah. (laughs) But here we are, breaking new ground. First episode of the Roaring Twenties. I got a toothache. You got a toothache? Yeah. Do you want me to, like, punch you in your gut or something? No, my tooth and gut would hurt. But you'd be thinking more about your gut than your tooth. I punched myself in the gut yesterday because I'm a moron. You did. Yeah. You told me. Billy has this weird habit of doing really stupid shit and then coming and going, You married an idiot. And then he tells me the stupid shit that he did when no one else is around. Yeah, it's insane. I do something stupid and I run to you. You're like the first person I tell. Yeah. Oh, you ain't gonna believe this dumb shit I did. He doesn't try and hide it. He comes to me and I told him today he needs to just back off of that shit. Yeah. Because today I gave him a new idea without even knowing it on a little piece of, what is that, a sticky note? Sticky note. Yeah. I had a website written down and it said stupidlaws.com and Billy said... Oh, I'm an idiot, and I should have known right then. That's a red flag. But he said, I thought that said stupid lava cakes. So. I, I looked down, and just because of your cursive and everything, it looked like, just at first glance, like stupid lava cakes. I'm like, why did you, first of all, why do you hate lava cake? And two, why did you make a note of I it? I don't. I love lava cake. I know. It's thing. so good. But, yeah. Yeah, that's where he went with it. So, for our patrons, we're going to be recording a Patreon episode. We usually cover dumb criminals, and I thought maybe we'll switch it up and cover 
dumb crimes. And I happened to find a website called stupidlaws.com. So You can Google search stupid lava cakes. I'm sure you'll come up with the same thing. I, I'm sure you'll probably find something. Something will happen. But just so you patrons know, when you see the title that says stupid lava cakes, <laughs> it's because of Billy. It's because I'm a dullard. And he can't read. <laughs> I can't believe I did that. And, and, and pointed it out to me. Like last night, I can't... I, okay, so I, I made our son a frozen pizza for dinner. Uh, went to put on... It was done, and I went to put on my oven mitt, and I pulled too hard on the no, oven No, no, it was a hot glove. Hot glove. I call it a hot glove. What the fuck is wrong with me? <laughs> that's, I, the, that's the term he used when he was telling me this. And I pulled it on, and my hand slipped, and I punched myself right in the gut, right in the solar plexus. I bit over... Like, I, I was like, hey, let me get this pizza out. Thump, I was like, Hurr! Yeah. <laughs> you were still hunched over when you came in the bedroom to tell me this. It was not, it was not a very pleasant <laughs> feeling. I bet it wasn't. No. I mean, right there. Mm. It was a hard I'm, one. I'm glad you didn't throw up. Oh, but now I know I could take a hit in the solar plexus. Maybe. By myself. I know to I, yourself. I know I could punch myself in the solar plexus for sure. <laughs> I always felt like I could. Now I know. Mm-hmm. And knowing is... Something. Knowing is half the battle. No, I'm not even going to say that. That's G.I. Joe. You just know. Hmm. The more you know. All right, guys. Guys, be careful when you put on hot gloves. <laughs> and the thing is, Billy will say stupid shit and then look at me and go, no, wait, what? <laughs> and he will talk himself through it until he finds out what he needs to say i will proofread correct myself and and you know in but, front of you and not even let you get yeah, a word i don't in. even have to say anything i just sit there and look at him and eventually it comes to him he's like yeah that <laughs> and i go okay yeah. good talk yeah like yesterday I, came in, I, was like, I put on hot gloves hot what fucking what no no i'll admit and you're like <laughs> what the fuck are you doing <laughs> it was just complete gibberish coming out of his mouth at that point <laughs> yeah bless my heart bless your heart that's what all the southerners just say i'll just bless his heart <laughs> his mom ain't doing a damn thing with him they also say that in the south too <laughs> his mom ain't doing a damn thing with him where is your mom what is she doing nothing <laughs> i'm gonna have to sit down talk with that woman Sit, sit my mom down and be like, Donnie, you ain't going to believe the no, dumb she, shit he does. She'd look at me and go, you married him. Yeah. <laughs> she, she'd look at me and be like, well, yeah. I've got to that. Mm-hmm. have seen him when he lived with me. <laughs> shit. Yeah, like I got a scar above my eye from when I was a kid and I ran face first into the corner of a table. Split my head open. That was an accident. Yeah. Well, I accidentally punched myself in the sore places yesterday, too. <laughs> I accidentally misread... Uh, Post-it note. <laughs> I accidentally thought a statue of a dog was a very well-behaved dog. Until <laughs> I drove back by and I was like, fuck, he's good. Like, you know, that's probably a statue. <laughs> In fact, I think that's probably a statue. You know that one house on Tilton with all the cats? The awesome. statues of cats? No. Yeah, you do. It's across from the video store. Where family video used to be. Oh, the like exotic cats, yeah, like cheetahs yeah. and jaguars and shit. Imagine how much I'd lose my shit. If yeah, I, that's our town. If I didn't realize that, I'd be like, fuck! <laughs> and the thing is... Hit the gas! That's on the nice side of town. Did you know each one has a name on it? Really? Yeah, like Uncle Frank. 
and shit. Yeah, they seriously, their yard is covered with statues of jungle cats. Series on. Sorry, I missed that. Could you say it again, please? Uh, you said no, I can't, Siri. I thought so. You said seriously. You said seriously. So that's why I said that. Shut up, Siri. But what gets me is those cats are like to scale. Yeah. And they're all painted, but they're all over their fucking yard. One of the main roads in our town. Yeah. On the nice end of town. Yeah. Not like the happy house that's on the south end of town. Yeah, with happy faces drawn all over it. We're going to have to take pictures of that place sometime. Yeah. They seriously, they have the happy face smile in many different... Stop saying seriously, Erica. <laughs> Shut up, Siri. I'm trying to make a point. They have uh, these happy faces all over their fence. All of the statues in their yard are painted yellow. There's a big gorilla that's yes. painted yellow with smiley faces on it. There's a blue, looks like a donkey to me, but I think it's supposed to be a horse. It's painted blue with the Colts yeah, horseshoe the Colts on, it. on it. Yeah, That's the only thing that's not yellow in mm-hmm. that vicinity. It's really atrocious. Yeah, we, uh, me and Noah, we, we, we knocked out what the city is. So you have the north side of town. That's where you discover meth. South side of town is where we make the meth. The <laughs> old West End is when you get shot in the face for said meth. <laughs> we figured it out. So what's the East then? That doctors and stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Reservoir. Yeah, it's about yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nice stuff. Mm-hmm. Just quiet, rural, mm-hmm. kind of. Yeah, because Noah's talking about how we make meth on the south side but we were driving to the gym and i, I looked over at the we do make it in the south side walmart yeah we do <laughs> and, you guys can look that shit up that's a national headline and we were driving and i was like god this is a bad spot this is a bad place to be and he's like well it's not the south side the south side we make meth i was like yeah but you get stabbed for the meth here <laughs> like you make it on the south you don't side just do it recreationally yeah you make it on the <laughs> south side pray you get through the west end to sell it to the people on the north side <laughs> That's Muncie. Yeah, we're having a ball. We're having a ball. All right, guys, so enough of our Muncie talk. Let's kick this year off with a bang. We're in season four now, and it felt like we hadn't done a big disaster story in a long while. Uh, It felt like we did the last episode with a fucking bang. That's for fucking sure. So this week we're getting away from a singularly horrible case, Billy, involving one death. To a historical disaster involving thousands of deaths. That poor, poor girl. Yay, death. Yay. Yay. Because thousands is better than one. I don't know. Mm. It's like laying on a bed of nails ain't as bad as laying on one fucking nail. True. So. Good point. I'd rather lay on a bed of nails than a bed of nail. (laughs) This case involves an explosion, a fire, and the sinking of a ship that killed Almost as many people that were lost in the sinking of the Titanic. And most people don't even know about it because of Abraham Lincoln always stealing the spotlight that one. Fucking Abraham. Yeah. Thanks, bro. (laughs) Way to go, Abraham. (sighs) This It's just too soon. It is too soon. It's too soon. Abraham Lincoln, too soon. Rest in peace. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. (laughs) Pour one out for my homie. Please don't pour beer on the carpet. (laughs) (laughs) Abraham Lincoln, the worst theater critic ever. (laughs) Well, we're going to talk today about the worst maritime disaster in American history. The explosion of the Sultana. Which sounds like a band. Does. 
As you could have guessed by my mentioning of Abraham Lincoln... Give me your vote, make it real, or else forget about it. Not Santana. Sultana. Well, no, I know. Mm-hmm. You Let, just like to sing? Let's just forget about it. I hate that guy's voice. He's from, like, that other band, and I cannot stand his voice. Oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't even want to hear it. Don't even sing it. Yeah. No. Man, you know, yeah. Had a metal lunchbox with Alf on it. What? Alf on it. Alf on a lunchbox? You didn't? That's what you're singing about? Alf. How does that relate? He eats cats. No, still. Or else forget about it. I'm gonna. <laughs> <laughs> so, yes. Those of you who aren't American and maybe don't know who Abraham Lincoln was. What the fuck is wrong with you? Most people that's not even in America know who Abraham Lincoln was. But there are some that probably don't. I don't know fucking presidents and prime ministers and emperors of other... I just had this feeling I could go to anywhere in the world. I could go to fucking Swahili. Yeah, you feel that way. And be like, hey, Abraham Lincoln. They're like, oh yeah, him. Dude, gun, sitting in a chair. They have no reason to give a shit about Abraham Lincoln. We do, but they don't. Maybe it's just me. All right. So, if you don't know, he was our 16th president who was in office during our Civil War in the mid-1800s. He's the one who got assassinated in a theater while watching a play. If you didn't know the Civil War part and you just knew him because, hey, that's that president got shot. He was like, oh, this play bores me. Somebody shoot me. <laughs> and then somebody did. Somebody, somebody was like, hold my beer. <laughs> shot him Watch this shit. I can't remember if I told you or not, but there's like, I might have mentioned on the podcast before, but there's this episode, this old, old, old talk show from the seventies, I think. And it, it was, um, this guy old as dirt and he witnessed the execution, the, the assassination. Oh yeah. You told he me he was, was just like a little child at the time. Yeah. Yeah. And he said, all he remembers is he heard the pop and a man fall on stage, which was John Wilkes Booth. Mm-hmm. He said, other than that, he says, I don't remember because our parents grabbed us and, you know, ran. Yeah. I was like, fuck, there's a guy on TV who saw Lincoln get shot. Wow. <laughs> I'm sure he's dead now. Oh, very. <laughs> oh, Lincoln? Yeah. Uh, yeah. He didn't make it. Yeah, him. He didn't make it. And the guy who you saw on TV, Billy. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he was like in his hundreds or some shit. <laughs> yeah, he's not, he, he's not with us no more. Well, the Civil War here in America ended April 9th of 1865. And following this, soldiers and civilians alike... We're trying to pick up the pieces that comes from battling on your own turf. Both militaries, Confederates and Unionists, had to start releasing prisoners of war. Can't really keep a prisoner of war if there's no more war. Then you just have a prisoner. Yeah. So they had to figure out the best way to get these men back to their families. The government decided to start offering a pretty decent amount of cash to those that could transport released Union soldiers back to the North. Two seventy-five per soldier and eight dollars per officer. Although I have also seen five and ten, but I probably and I'm going to go with the two seventy-five and eight seems more reasonable. That's a steal. That doesn't seem like much now, but that was a pretty penny back in 1865. Man, I wish I had a hundred bucks and go back to then. Man, I'd be fucking living fat. Ship captains quickly began taking the government up on that offer. One of which was Captain James Cass Mason. Captain Mason was from St. Louis and commanded a large paddle sidewheel steamboat called the Sultana. Don't even, Billy. I'll forget about it. This 260-foot or 79-meter long boat was not very old. 
It was built in Cincinnati, Ohio in 1863 and was intended to travel the Mississippi River down to the south for the cotton trade. It weighed 1,719 tons and generally had a crew of 85 men, though its maximum capacity, and this is important to remember, was 376 passengers and crew. At 275 ahead? Damn. (laughs) Well, you have to exclude the crew that's on there. And people would also pay to be passengers to take them. But that was the maximum, 376. For the two years that it was in operation, it traveled back and forth between St. Louis and New Orleans, carrying cargo and often was commissioned to carry troops. So it had a new car smell? Pretty much. Cool, dude. Or nasty river smell. One of the two. Why would it, why would it smell nasty? What's wrong with rivers? They're just dirty. What the fuck? You're weird. There's dirt and soot and sediment and... Alright. You'll hear about it later, Billy. It's important. Okay. I'm sorry. <laughs> now, this disaster would take place on April 27th, 1865, just a couple of weeks after the end of the Civil War. And just 12 days before, on April 15th, President Abraham Lincoln, still in the spotlight, would pass away after being shot in the back of the head the night before by assassin John Wilkes Booth. God, what an attention whore. Steal the spotlight for the next two weeks so nobody else thinks about anything else. We get it. You know You're how to, dead. You know how to wear bullets. Uh-huh. Ooh. Oh, so in fashion. <laughs> yeah, good job. Oh, and you lived until the next day. Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> or horrible. <sighs> so, Booth, the guy that killed President Lincoln, John Wilkes Booth, Booth was... Not so much politically motivated, but just couldn't see because of that big fucking hat. And he's just like, you know what? I'm fucking done. No, there was like a whole coup that was planned. And Lincoln just happened to be the only one that was killed. I think like a senator or something was also injured. One person wasn't attacked that was supposed to be. There was like a group of people that planned this mass attack. But Lincoln was like, hey, hey, aim here. And they did. He was like, oh, my head. (laughs) That's why he wore the top hat. He was like, that way you can find me in a crowd. (laughs) So, John Wilkes Booth, uh, who actually shot Lincoln, would go on the run, but was tracked down and shot to death on April 26th, the night before the Sultana disaster. So, Booth wanted to get all up in that fucking spotlight, stealing the press and the headlines. Mm-hmm. A day before the, the yep. shit happens? Yep. He's like, he's like, I got the scoop. Mm-hmm. He really Luke and Magnata did the whole thing. It was like, hey, check this out. Look at this video that I'm doing this mm-hmm. thing. And kind of. Kind sort of. of. Kind mm-hmm. of. If you haven't watched Don't Fuck With Cats, it's really good. You should watch it. And unrelated news, this just in. Joaquin Phoenix just got arrested. What? Yeah. For what? There's some protest out, some climate change protest thing. Oh, so he wasn't, like, doing anything bad? No, 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 no. No, not from last He was just there doing a thing, saying, hey, I support this. He was like, hey, guys, stop it. Cut it out. And Mm -hmm. they were like, come with me. And he's like, all right. (laughs) All right, you heard it here. Probably not first, because this won't be out for a couple (laughs) days. You'll know about this. You'll know before this comes out. So, hey, hey, old news. On we go. (laughs) So, all of this chaos, the end of the Civil War a president assassinated and his murderer being shot to death led to the Sultana story taking a backseat and kind of getting lost in history. Anyway, Captain Mason 
was making one of his trips south from St. Louis to New Orleans on the Sultana. He reached Vicksburg, Mississippi, and was approached by Captain Reuben Hatch, who was the chief quartermaster at Vicksburg. Reuben. Reuben Hatch. Reuben, that's a sandwich. Reuben. Wasn't there a singer on American Idol named Reuben? I don't know. Like one of the early seasons? I don't big, know. Big black guy? I don't know. I'd never watched the show. I think there was. I didn't watch it either. I just knew who he was. That's just weird to be named after food. Like, like, oh, it's a, it's a beautiful baby boy. What are Maybe you that name? was a name before it became an actual sandwich. Clearly. Uh, but, like, what are you going to name him? Like, Corn Dog? <laughs> Corn Dog Jones. <laughs> One of the parole camps containing Union soldiers was just outside of Vicksburg, and they needed transport back north. Captain Reuben Hatch... I'm going to say it like that from now on. Reuben Hatch. proposed Pops, Popsicle Stevenson. <laughs> he proposed a deal to Captain Mason if he agreed to transport the parolees. He would guarantee Mason a group of around 1,400 men to transport. That's a lot more than what the maximum is. Which at the very least would amount to around 3,800 bucks if they were all just regular enlisted soldiers. As long as Hatch got a kickback from it. And that would be a shit ton of money back then. Now remember, the ship's max, like Billy just said, had a capacity of 376, and there were already over 80 crew members on board. But greedy Captain Mason thought it was an excellent idea. So the crew continued down to New Orleans and would come back up to Vicksburg to pick up their travelers. Don't this boat got lifeboats and shit? Um, this is the 1800s, so... Probably not a whole lot. Why not? It's just steamboat to carry cargo. Yeah, but don't ships have to have lifeboats? Yeah, you think there's enough for 1,400 people? Well, I think maybe. When it's supposed to hold 376? I see where you're going, but what if you just tie a rope to the fucking things and just put them out behind you? Well, you'll see why that wasn't a possibility. Okay. On the trip back, one of the Sultana's boilers sprung a leak about 10 hours south of Vicksburg. The steamboat slowly made its way to the Vicksburg port to pick up the released soldiers, as well as to now make a boiler repair. While the parolees were being brought to Vicksburg from their camp, a mechanic was brought to the boat to repair the boiler. There was a ruptured seam, and the mechanic wanted to cut the whole section out and completely replace it, which would take a few days. Well, Captain Mason knew that if he took the time to have it repaired, as the mechanic suggested his potential passengers would find other modes of transport, costing him the very large sum of money that he stood to earn. Yeah, hmm. not much. Did you say work the squeeze on that one? What to do? Well, Captain Mason and his chief engineer convinced the mechanic to do a quick patch job that would only take one day to complete by assuring him that they would have a complete repair job done as soon as they got back to St. Louis. So the mechanic reluctantly hammered the bulging part of the boiler plate back into place and then patched the busted seam with a thinner piece of metal than what the boiler was actually made out of. <laughs> now that the boat was quote-unquote fixed, it was time to load up the passengers. Mason was expecting 1400 but there had been a mix-up with the parole camp books and the officer in charge of the loading, Captain George Augustus Williams placed every single man from the camp on the boat. So a boat meant to only hold 376 
now held over 2,000. There were 1,960 parolees, 22 guards from the 58th Ohio Volunteer Infantry, 70 paying cabin passengers, and 85 crew members for a grand total of 2,137 on a boat for less than 400. (laughs) They were packed into any available space on the boat, and their weight was so heavy that the decks began to actually sag and had to have extra support beams placed to hold them up. And this didn't include the additional weight of their cargo, which included 120 tons of sugar, or the livestock that was on board that was being transported. So... Fucking Noah's Ark with sugar and soldiers. Good God. So the Sultana left Vicksburg on April 24th, traveling upriver while fighting severe... (laughs) What? I wonder how deep the boat was in the water with all of that shit on there. Like, I wonder if you could be on the side of the boat and just stick your head in the water. <laughs> like, ah, oh, the water's nice. Probably. So, they were traveling upriver while fighting severe spring flooding and down trees and debris floating along the fast-moving river. The waters were so high that the river was five miles wide at some points and only the tops of trees were visible. On the 26th, they stop at Helena, Arkansas, and a photographer named Thomas W. Banks took a picture of the boat, which we will use as our thumbnail for this episode on our website, martinisinthemacabre.com. And when this episode is released early and ad-free on Patreon, so check that out. If you're into stupid lava cakes. (laughs) And if you aren't already a patron, you can throw us a buck or two for all of our hard work, drinking alcohol and talking about horrible shit on patreon.com slash martinisinthemacabre. Even a dollar pledge gets you our undying love. Just remember that. Anyway, this picture. Let, let me show Billy. I want to see. Okay. I'm going to show Billy the picture. <clears throat> wow. Look at that. Railing to railing. Damn. We call that assholes and elbows. Mm-hmm. When you're standing in another man's pocket. Yeah. That's a picture from fucking Civil War era. It'd be crazy if, like, as soon as they took that picture, it fucking capsized. Yeah, probably should have. Right then and there. At least they were close to shore. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Do you know a lot of people that back then, or even back in, you know, back in the day, even nowadays, a lot of people who, their job is to work on boats and stuff, like a whole great big majority of them don't know how to swim. Why? Because if it goes down, you're fucked. And you know it. There's nothing. The only thing between you and death is that boat. So you do everything you can to keep that boat moving and keep it working. So if something needs to be repaired, you're the first person to go repair it because you know you don't know how to swim. And if that ship goes down, that's your ass. Hmm. Yeah. thought that was kind of interesting. Yeah. I still think you should be prepared. But that's just me. (laughs) Billy saw the picture. The boat is packed with passengers like a can of sardines. I really don't know how they thought this was even remotely safe. How did they sleep? Like very close together. I don't get that. That's so weird. <laughs> so they kept on. From it reminds here. me of like a like one of those prisons in like Brazil, you know, where there's nowhere to sit down. There's only a hole in the ground to shit in. Like actually, ones in Brazil are pretty open air, and they kill each other with machetes. Maybe I'm thinking of Mexico. There's maybe. somewhere they're like pressed up against each other. They're pressed <laughs> up against the walls and shit. People die, and you don't even know it till like a week later. Meanwhile, the guys in our prisons are like, my food's cold. 
I'm not getting the right thickness of mattress because my back hurts. I say suck it up, buttercup, cry me a bridge. Cry me a bridge? Cry me a river, build a bridge, and get over it. That's what I would say. Yeah, I say, you're in prison. This ain't the Hilton. Yeah. Suck it up. <laughs> yeah, write that down on a comic card, roll it up, and shove it up your ass. Yep, exactly. So, around 7 p.m. on the 26th, they stopped in Memphis, Tennessee... To unload the 120 tons of sugar they were carrying and dropping off around 200 men, which means they were still carrying around 2,000 people. Yeah, I mean, at least, at least, like, they downloaded some. No, 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 no. They went a little ways up the river to pick up a load of coal. Never mind. (laughs) Which added back some significant weight to the boat. And then they started back up the river again around 1 a.m., having... No idea that catastrophe would strike just an hour later. Those poor, that poor paddle wheel was just going, <laughs> spinning its little heart out <laughs> as much as it could. The, the little steam engine that could. Yeah, I don't think I can. I don't think I can. <laughs> Turns into that Vietnamese sniper in full metal jacket. <laughs> Shoot, Shoot me! me. <laughs> well, the Sultana was about seven miles north of Memphis around 2 a.m., on April 27th, 1865. And this is when shit hit the fan. A boiler suddenly exploded, blasting shrapnel, steam, and boiling water into the boiler room, and this instantly killed hundreds of men that were packed tightly around the boiler sleeping. Does that answer your question? Tightly. Very tightly. Around the fucking boilers. (laughs) The last place I'd want to be. Then only a moment later... Because one boiler is not bad enough. A second boiler exploded, followed quickly by a third. The explosion of steam went upwards at a 45 degree angle and tore through the decks above and destroyed the pilot house. You know, I wonder, like, you know, they had to be excited. Not when it blew up. (laughs) They weren't like, yay, fire. But, you know, they were like, oh, we're going home. Oh, I ain't been home in so long. Mm -hmm. And like right before they went to bed, like, I can't wait till tomorrow. We'll be even closer. And then, no. Yeah. No. They probably didn't even give two shits that they had to sleep, like, front to back, all through the fucking ship. They had to, like, spoon each other. I'd be cool with it because I'm like, I'd be like, all right. I'm going home. Fuck it. That's cool. (laughs) Well, this explosion of... As soon as it went off, you know what, dude was just sitting there and lit up a cigarette. He's like, there are days. And there are days. You know, it's just, this figures. This fucking figures. Well, this explosion destroyed the pilot house, and of course that meant that the crew that were actually piloting the boat at the time were killed, turning the boat into a floating wayward hull in the rapid floodwaters. The smokestacks fell, one falling into the blasted hull and the other falling onto the crowded upper deck, crushing many passengers and causing the upper deck to collapse. It's funny because you said blasted hull like you were angry at a hole. <laughs> blasted hole. Blasted hole. <laughs> Out there doing the marijuanas. Well, when the deck collapsed, it fell onto the exposed furnace boxes, and that pushed kindling into the boxes, which then created an inferno. Because how could it get worse? Yeah, and somebody said that before it happened, too. How could it get any worse? The boat on water is on fire. How could it get any worse? Is that smoke? (laughs) (laughs) And they saw the ship on fire, and they all turned around and looked at Steve. You know, Steve, this probably wouldn't have happened if you'd have kept mm-hmm. your fucking mouth shut. Thanks, Steve. Hey, Steve, go put it out. 
They're like, they just were out there handing people empty buckets. Like, what are we supposed to do? Like, bitch, dip them in the water. You're surrounded by fucking water. <laughs> One Union soldier that survived later wrote, Holy shit. I'm going to try and do this in my best Civil War voice. When I came to my senses, I found myself surrounded by wreckage and in the midst of smoke and fire. The agonizing shrieks and groans of the injured and dying were heartrending, and the stench of burning flesh was intolerable and beyond my power of description. Pepper's Farm remembers. <laughs> <laughs> Another survivor wrote, There were some killed in the explosion lying in the bottom of the boat being trampled upon while some were crying and praying. Many were cursing while others were singing. That sight I shall never forget. I often see it in my sleep and wake with a start. His body sounded just like that. Just like that. Just like that. Yeah. He was like, oh my god, it's traumatic. I just, I can't even. Yeah. I just can't. Mm -hmm. I'm so dead. (laughs) Fuck, I I might be. (laughs) Now at this point, we have hundreds dead. He's like, one survivor, he was like, oh my word of honor, it was a dastardly sight. But... Y'all hear about Abraham Lincoln? <laughs> Fuck! What's going to happen? <laughs> you want to tell us more about the explosion? Yeah, yeah, it was hot. So, a theater kind of makes nobody want to go to theaters anymore. <laughs> what about the ship? Oh, it sank. So, I'm wondering. <laughs> <laughs> well, at this point, we have hundreds dead with probably burnt or boiled body parts flung everywhere. Including Brian. We're going to miss him. Yeah, he's a good guy. Brian, I'm sorry. Sorry, Brian. R.I.P. Some people were thrown from the boat. (laughs) Rest in pieces. Yeah. (laughs) Some people were thrown from the boat from the force of the blast, probably unconscious and drowning. Oh, man. It makes me think of like an 80s movie. Like, blows up and the guy's like, no! And it's like, his arms are waving and he's doing a flip. Mm -hmm. No! Or that famous scream. That's in every movie? Mm-hmm. Yeah, like that. Yeah. that They were probably unconscious before they were ejected from the boat. Just saying. Yeah, so mm-hmm. how's it feel to stamp on somebody's dream? Yeah, it feels pretty good. Wow. Because it was unrealistic. You're unrealistic. How You're about unrealistic. Now let's just go ahead and fucking talk about why this marriage is dead. Stupid lava cakes. Yeah, I get it. <laughs> So, yeah, we probably got people that are just all over the water, unconscious, they're drowning. There's a massive fire now, so people that are conscious are jumping from the boat into fast-moving, debris-ridden floodwaters and are just trying to stay afloat. Then there's Craig, who was whining about that fucking splinter he got, and he feels really stupid now. Yeah, he needs to suck it up. There are bigger fish to fry here. Um, hey, Craig, you don't have to worry about that splinter no more. Took your arm off. <laughs> Well, many of these men were weak and malnourished from their time at the prison camp, making their struggle to stay alive even more difficult. Many clung to each other and ended up pulling whole groups down into the waters, drowning them. There had to be at least uh, that many people. There had to be at least, I don't know, four, five hundred people who were like, they planned this. They planned this. They got me on the boat thinking I was going to fucking walk away from this, and now I don't have a leg. They planned this. <laughs> Why didn't they just fucking shoot me? Well, the lucky ones were able to grab onto floating tree branches, debris from the boat, or horses or donkeys that made it into the water, and were attempting to swim to solid ground. 
but the water was incredibly cold seeing as it was April and a great deal of the flooding was caused by melting snow. So they jumped from a burning boat into fast icy waters because that option gave them a slightly better chance for survival. I guess. Around 3 a.m., a steamer named Bastona No. 2 that happened to be traveling south on the Mississippi came across the destroyed Sultana and its victims. They began trying to pick up as many survivors as they could. Also at this time, some survivors began to float past docked boats and U.S. warships on the Memphis waterfront. They called out for help to the crew members on the dock, and the crews began trying to rescue these survivors as well. And maybe the only good thing in this story is the fact that the victims in this case were Unionists, and the people trying to save them were Confederates, men who they had just weeks before been warring with. But they're American. And they came together and helped each other. The Sultana burned for hours all the way down to the waterline, which probably wasn't very far because it was so heavy. Yeah. (laughs) It drifted about six miles to the western side of the river, eventually sinking around 9 a.m. near what is present-day Marion, Arkansas. People were still being rescued from partially submerged treetops that they had clung to or holding on to debris come morning. Many people that didn't die in the explosion or the fire either drowned or died of hypothermia in the cold river water. One of those names was Jack. No, one of them was named Captain Mason, the greedy fuck himself. Oh, he did go down with the ship. He did. Bodies of the dead continued to be found for several months after they floated downriver, some as far as Vicksburg, which, ironically, is where their voyage on the Sultana started. Ah! Many of the Ah! victims... (laughs) Many of of the victims' bodies were never recovered. Thanks for making me start that sentence three times. (laughs) Funny. There is no exact death toll, considering the issues with the parole camp books and the unclear number that got off in Tennessee. I've seen figures ranging from between 1,100 and 1,800, but the official count by the United States Customs Service was 1,547. It's estimated that 969 survived. Now, my guess as to what caused all of this before I looked into it was that the boiler with the shitty patch job busted first and the shrapnel was so forcefully blown away from the boiler that it punctured the others, causing them to rupture apart. I mean, I'm not a boat mechanic by any means, but that's what made sense to me. Man, could you imagine being asleep and having liquid hot fucking steel? Liquid hot magma. Like, there's just, because at that point, they're razors. They're hot razors. They're just going to go right through you. Like, tastes like nothing. fire. Tastes like fire. <laughs> <laughs> you guys check that out from last season where a fucking circus caught on fire. It's hilarious. <laughs> sure. <laughs> I'm so horrible. <laughs> you know what? You are. Ooh, you really are. I am. I'm a real piece of shit. You're kind mm. of a fucking monster. Whew. But the disaster... What, you look like you're going to say something. Thinking about all those clouds with the smiley faces, shoveling up human remains, crying. (laughs) Passing buckets of water. (laughs) (laughs) He was my friend. (laughs) Waka, waka. (laughs) (laughs) They're all hobo clowns now. They have nowhere to go. If they survived. Misfortune. (laughs) 
that's what we do here. Not only is it not only is it on fire, it's melting wax. And now the burning wax is on the back Raining of my neck. Raining on you. <laughs> I can't remember what episode it is, but the, the title is called It Tastes Like Fire, so go, go listen. It was honestly one of my favorites that we've ever done. Didn't we place it in the clowns? Yes. Yes, we did. I did. Yeah. It was great. I love that episode. <laughs> so, like I said, the disaster has obviously been studied numerous times over the decades since it happened. And the official cause has been determined to be related to mismanagement of the water levels in the boilers, which is completely different than what I guessed. But like I said, I'm not a boat mechanic you just or an engineer or any of that shit. I don't know about boats. So this problem was exacerbated by the ship being top heavy due to the overcrowding, obviously. Yeah. So with the rapid floodwaters, the boat listed from side to side much farther than she should have. Like, I imagine all these people, like, sleeping side by side, and it moves to one way, and they all slide to one side of the boat, and then it lists the other way, and they slide back to the other side. I don't think that's the case, because they're so packed. Yeah. Nobody's sliding like, anywhere. Uh, yeah. uh, like bumper cars. Quit leaning on me, Lloyd. <laughs> you quit leaning on me. Move your elbow. Ugh. the boilers were all interconnected side by side so when the boat would tip to one side the water would run out of the Hylus boiler like when you fill up an ice cube tray and you tilt it and the water runs into the other cavities Mm -hmm. the coal fires that heated the water in the boilers would create hot spots on the boilers where the water had tipped out so when the boat tipped back the other direction and the water would flow back into the empty boiler it would hit the hot spot and flash steam the water. The sudden flash steam would increase the pressure in the boiler and the pressure build up and kaboom. Look, you sound like a boat mechanic. I do. Anyone want to hire me? Please don't. I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know any of this. No. I'm not good at it. I just reach it. (laughs) There are also other factors that contributed to this explosion, of course. There was the faulty repair made to the leaking boiler. The metal used to make the boilers, charcoal hammered number one, tended to become brittle with prolonged heating and cooling. And after 1879, it was no longer used in the manufacture of boilers. And there was the dirty river water that was used to feed the boilers, as I mentioned to you before. That water carried a lot of dirt and debris, which settled on the bottom of the boilers or would sometimes clog the flues and leave hot spots. And due to the construction of the boilers, they were... Billy's making sounds. Fuck, sorry. (laughs) Due to the construction of the boilers, they were very hard to clean. So keeping the boilers free of sediment wasn't easily accomplished. So that's why you don't want that dirty river water. Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. But outside of this general consensus of what went wrong, there is one conspiracy theory. It was printed in the Memphis Daily Appeal newspaper on May 8, 1888, quite a long time after the actual disaster, and it claimed the explosion was deliberate. Allegedly, a Confederate agent disguised a bomb as a lump of coal, and it was placed near the boilers. These disguised bombs were actually real bombs that the Confederate Secret Service had developed and used during the Civil War, called coal torpedoes or Courtney torpedoes. 
They got the name of Courtney torpedoes because they were invented by a captain named Thomas Edgeworth Courtney. Take a look at these torpedoes. <laughs> I love your torpedoes. <laughs> but that would mean that it had to be placed in a specific location where it was known the Sultana crew was going to get the coal from. And then it happened to be placed next to the boilers. So it's kind of a far stretch. But I mean, who knows? Hell, I don't know. And it's been so long. You guys say anything and people be like, yeah, yeah probably. Fuck. It was a wizard. It was a wizard. Obviously. It wasn't no wizard. Prove me wrong. Yeah. Yeah, I can't. I can't do it. <laughs> so was there ever anyone actually held accountable? Well, Captain Mason was dead, so he could be blamed but not really taken to court. Captain Hatch, Reuben Hatch, who had set up the deal for the parolees to be transported on the Sultana. Got it. He got the bomb from a guy named Calzone Johnson. No. Stromboli. There was no bomb. No. Nope. Conspiracy. Burrito. What? What? Huh? I'm just naming people after food. No, I, I had a taco earlier, not a burrito. So, Captain Hatch, as I was saying before Billy started talking about burritos and shit, he quit the service all quick-like. So he couldn't be held accountable in military court because he was then a civilian. Captain Williams, the man who had been responsible for the actual loading of the men onto the boat in Vicksburg, was an 1852 graduate of West Point and a Union Army officer. So the military refused to go after one of their own. Somehow, Union Captain Frederick Speed, who was at the parolee camp and sent the parolees into Vicksburg, was charged and found guilty for overcrowding the Sultana. Yeah, the guy who just sent the soldiers from point A to point B and who had no knowledge of what was going to happen at point B, it's all his fault. Fortunately for him, the Judge Advocate General of the Army overturned the verdict, seeing as Captain Speed never left the parole camp or stepped foot in Vicksburg that day, meaning he couldn't have shuffled all 1,906 soldiers onto the boat. So in the end, no one was ever really held accountable. But I think I'd blame Captain Mason because of his greed. Because he's a douche canoe. Yeah, I think with something like that, somebody always just wants to put the blame on somebody. So you, maybe that's a part of moving on. How about you don't make deals to put 2,000 more people on a boat than there should be? Yeah. <laughs> there you go. In the end, though, even if there have been less people... We can't say for certain that it would have turned out the same way, but it probably wouldn't have done the tipping and swaying and listing. That didn't help. That's probably kind of what set it in motion. Yeah. I think it had just had all the makings of a horrible accident. Mm-hmm. That's what I think. Sometimes shit happens. If it didn't happen, that's what I always say. If shit didn't happen, it wouldn't be a saying. But the boilers probably wouldn't have leaked over and gotten hot spots if it wasn't so top-heavy, so... I still think I'm going to blame Mason and Reuben Hatch for their fucking joint effort and yeah. moving all these guys. I blame them mainly because if they hadn't taken that deal, none of them would have gotten on that boat. Mm-hmm. So. If they fixed the boiler properly and Mason and his fucking engineer hadn't talked the mechanic into it to just slapping a Band-Aid on it. Yeah. The mechanic ain't much better either. He agreed to do it. But I mean, they said, oh, well, we're just going back to St. Louis. It'll last us till there. It's like when you put a spare on your car. Oh, it'll get me to the next town over, and then I can get a real tire and put it on there. Yeah. That was their 
story that they gave to him. Whether they actually plan on doing that, I don't know. And whether that actually played a part, I don't know. But if he'd fixed it properly, most of those guys would have been shipped out on other ships. Yeah. And this probably wouldn't have happened. Yeah. Greed. Mm-hmm. While pieces of what is believed to be portions of the Sultana wreckage were discovered during a local archaeological expedition. Some timbers and blackened wooden deck planks were found 32 feet or 10 meters under a soybean field in Arkansas. Damn. About four miles from Memphis. Because of the flooding and sediment and the river changing course so much over the 155 years since the disaster. Okay, well, sure. Most of the boat is buried underneath dry land as the river course has shifted two miles east of where it was flowing in 1865. Oh, man. It's like in Walking Dead when the river went down and the zombies got out of the sand and started biting people. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, I get it. Mm-hmm. Science. Uh, is it? That's science for you folks. Mm-hmm. Really? Yep. We have scientific <clears throat> proof of zombies. Oh, that was science. That was biology. You know, ever since I punched myself yesterday in the stomach, I can't believe I said that. <laughs> ever since I punched myself yesterday. I've been burping a lot. Hmm. Funny how that works. You know what's funny, actually kind of sad, is after I punched myself in the solar plexus and been over in great pain and about to vomit, I was like, if this doesn't sum up my life. <laughs> Fuck you, 2020. Uh, yeah. I want to mulligan. Australia is on fire, and I'm about to vomit because I punched myself in the stomach. I want to mulligan. I just control yeah. alt delete this year. And just I do want to again. say, anyone in Australia that might be listening, we are so. Oh my God. That's just awful. We love you. We give you guys a lot of shit about you being scary. Now you're really scary. <laughs> I don't want to be on fire. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I feel for them so bad. I, I do feel for you guys. That's awful. So, back to this story. If you happen to be around the Marion, Arkansas area in the future, there is a temporary museum that opened in 2015 on the 150th anniversary of the disaster. They have multiple relics and artifacts, as well as a wall with the names of what is believed to be every person that was on the Sultana that night. Why is it temporary? Well, the museum is trying to raise funds to make a permanent museum, and you can find their website at www.sultanadisastermuseum.org. And if you are interested in donating and becoming a Sultana crew member, their words, not mine. I like it. Just click on the Join Us tab at the top of the homepage, and you can become a Sultana crew member. And I think it's cool that they want to keep it going, but if you have the money to spare, just go ahead and donate that to Australia. And evidently, they have not met their goal in five years' time. Well, then so. they can wait a little longer if you have money you want to donate. <laughs> they waited 150 years. Give so. it to Australia. <laughs> Give then it to Australia. After that, after yeah. that, hook them up. That's fine. And that is the story of the worst maritime disaster in American history. The historic <laughs> but forgotten explosion of the Sultana. Ding, 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 ding. They make that sound, too. Do they? Ding, 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 ding. Steamboats uh-huh. back in 1860s? Yeah. You know, you were there? Yeah. Ding, 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 ding. You were there. Ding, 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 ding. Yeah, yesterday. This is news. This is science. Ding, 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 ding. How are you there? I wasn't even there. Fucking science shit. Don't worry about it. No. I don't need an explanation for your science. Don't think about that. Think about other shit. Fine, then. I will. (laughs) We hope you guys liked hearing about this story. 
I think it may be the oldest topic we've ever covered, aside from like the torture devices from medieval times. So I thought it was kind of cool because we found something really old, but really horrific. There's actually a picture of the fucking thing. I'm surprised that they had a picture of the boat from back then. Yeah. All right, guys. So you know where to find us. I mentioned some of these already. We're on Facebook and Instagram, Martinis in the Macabre. And our fan page on Facebook is Friends Who Like Martinis in the Macabre. Follow us on Twitter at Martini underscore Macabre. Post, share away because we love the interaction and sharing helps us so immensely. And it's something that you can do to help us for free. If you want to go a step further, then please get on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, basically anywhere you can leave a rating or a review. It would be greatly appreciated. And thank you to all of you that have already done so especially in binary. That's my favorite. Yeah. And don't forget, if you send us a snapshot of your review, we will send you a sticker. And if you want to be one of our crew members... <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, yeah, I know. And financially support the show, you can make a one-time donation in the amount of your choosing via our PayPal link at the bottom of the homepage on our website, martinisandthemacabre.com. Or you can set up a pledge for monthly donations through our Patreon page at patreon.com slash martinis and the macabre. Even a $1 pledge gets you access to our patron-only audio each month and a shout-out on the show. And for just a few dollars more, you can get some exclusive goodies. Every single cent is hugely appreciated. You guys don't even know. And thank you to all past patrons and especially our current patrons. Kirsten Arbalario, we love you. Bender, Bonnie, Bridget, Caroline, Chelsea, Christina, Cooper, Donald, Belfast Grace, Heather, Jennifer, Jolene, Kate, Kim, Christy, Kristen, Lady Danger, Marie Maxime, Martha, we love you, we haven't forgotten about you, Molly, Monica, Vanessa, and Veronica, you awesome snuggle bunnies have our undying love. For any questions, comments, or topic suggestions, shoot us an email at martinisinthemacabre at gmail.com. Or you can use the contact page on the website. Also on the website, you can find a bio about us, a complete episode catalog that you can binge, and all of the music created by Minimus Noah that we use at the end of each episode. And keep listening because there will be a new one at the end of this episode. Yay! And you can also find all of his released music on Spotify and iTunes, so please go check it out and give him some love. That about wraps it up, Snuggle Bunnies. Once again... Thanks so much for listening to this inaugural podcast episode of 2020. Ruben. Ruben. Hey, what did the drummer name his two daughters? I don't know. And a one and a two. <laughs> Stay safe, Snuggle Bunnies. Rest in peace, no pert. We'll see you in two weeks. Goodbye.
It was a dastardly sight, but did y'all hear about Abraham Lincoln? 